For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. Love has carried us Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in there and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Christ had been lying one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said, these things to her, the word of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away. And I don't know if that means she didn't sleep at all that night, probably, um, but she had to go um, and see her friend, Jesus. She had to go to consider all that had happened. And she would have known that the stone would have been, you know, sealed. So the question why she went is a good one. They had already anointed his body. But she found her way to the tomb. 
And I think it's really hard to get into the emotion of this moment. But when she saw that the stone had been rolled away, she went and ran and got Peter and John. And they came back, and John makes it very clear who got to the tomb first, which is funny. Uh, It's those little details that make the Bible really funny and interesting. So when Peter and John arrive, they investigate the empty tomb, as men do. They go inside. They examine the linen cloths that used to adorn the body of Jesus, but now they're gone. They see the echoes of Jesus, but they don't see Jesus. And it says that they believed, or at least John did, but also that they didn't yet understand. And I think that's part of the dilemma of being human on Easter, isn't it? We believe, but we really don't yet understand resurrection. So they go home, but Mary stays, and she weeps. And so, all play question. We can do all plays even if we're not at home. Um, Why did Mary stay? Mary Magdalene, the woman whom used to have seven demons, they were cast out of her. Some people think she was a prostitute, but we have no record that that's true. That's just a label that's been put on her. She was a friend of Jesus, disciple of Jesus. She came from a town called Magdala, which means greatness. Why did she stay? Grief, exactly. Anyone else? She was lost? Yes, Greg, thank you. She was lost. She was confused, yeah. She thought Jesus was dead. The stone had been rolled away. Peter and John were there. There was no body. She thought maybe someone had taken it. Who would do that? Thanks, Jenny. Sometimes we hang on to death because it's all we have left. Mary, she wasn't done yet. She wasn't done yet with her grieving, with her relationship with her friend and teacher. She wasn't done yet, so she had to stay. Um, You know, it strikes me on Easter Sunday morning that our joy is measured, right? Because the pain of loss and life is still too real to really believe the message of hope. We believe what we don't really understand. If we get our courage up to look for Jesus in the midst of our genuine pain, Sometimes when we arrive at the tomb, all we find are the linen coverings, the echoes of Jesus, the remnants of Jesus, stories of Jesus, but no real Jesus. So like Peter and John, we go back home because we haven't understood, but the courage of Mary of Magdala seems miraculous to me because she weeps, she's not done, she's hanging on to death, she's lost, but she remains. And then she's met with a couple angels. And you would think that would be comforting to her, right? But she's not comforted by the angels who ask her, what are you doing? She's like, I'm looking for Jesus. If you've taken him away, tell me where he is. She's not even all that pleased to see the gardener. Kind of annoying. During Lent, we did prayers of the people 
where you all wrote down your prayers on little cards and placed them in baskets every week of the six Sundays of Lent. And um, I had Mary Nichols, who's in charge of our prayer team, send me all those again so I could look at them. And it's a long, long list of loss, but it's people who have died, it's marriages who are in trouble, it's people who have cancer, people who have depression, anorexia, homelessness, strokes, um, people who are experiencing unemployment, people who are worried about family gatherings on Easter Sunday and how they will go. Praise the Lord for those prayers. And into all that loss, we stand here on Resurrection Sunday, peering into the tomb, wanting to believe and wanting to understand. And Mary, the star of this particular chapter in history, is going to help us if we have eyes to see what she can tell us. So in John 20, 15, Jenny read it a couple minutes ago, uh, the gardener, it's interesting they're in the garden, isn't it? At the dawn of a whole new beginning. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. All by myself, I will carry the dead body of my friend. But when you're grieving, when you're not done yet, when you're hanging on to death, you are going to do that. That is what you're going to do. So the gardener, it's, you know, it's interesting that she doesn't recognize him. That says something about the resurrected Jesus and, and sort of how he must have come across. It's a mystery, but she doesn't recognize him. So the question for us as we try to understand and believe in the resurrection is this, do we recognize Jesus in his many disguises? Uh, I was at Caribou this week getting some coffee, and uh, as I was waiting for my coffee, the, the screeches of a little toddler who was not happy was just filling the little room. Right, And that little toddler was letting it be known that all was not well in the world. And, and it went on for a little while, and I uh, got my coffee, brought it out. And the mom, as I was going out, the mom took the toddler out, and she kept saying to this little toddler, just breathe, 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 breathe. And then when he... The screeches went down to about 90 dBs. She said, now tell me what's wrong. Sometimes Jesus comes in the disguise of your toddler who invites you to take a moment out of the hectic morning that you're having to consider how you might need to breathe, 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 breathe. Sometimes Jesus comes disguised as our coworkers. I had a coworker come up to me uh, after my sermon last Sunday, and she said, Steve, you seemed more grounded this week. And she looked me right in the eyes and, say, and said, thank you for whatever you needed to do to deliver that message that way. And I was like, <laughs> weeping. So I remained and wept with her. Um, maybe Jesus sometimes comes in the words from our betrayers and even in those whom we have betrayed. 
But maybe we can enter into the emotion of the empty tomb after all. Every time you've had hope rise up and then it was dashed, and then when you think all is lost, something shows up and reminds you to breathe, breathe, breathe. So John 20, 16, Jesus said her name, Mary, and that's when she knew. That's when belief turned into understanding because Jesus was small enough and near enough to know her name. Jesus was small enough and near enough to remember her name and restore her name to her. She was lost. She wasn't done. She was hanging on to death. But you are Mary. She turned to him and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God, to which I have to say like, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna give you a little slack because you just raised from the dead. Maybe you're a little groggy, but you might have missed a moment right there. Mary, teacher, hey, don't hang on to me. Go tell your brothers, go tell my brothers. What is happening right there? That's an all-play question. What is happening right there? Do not hold on to me, Mary, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Thanks, Will. Everything's different now. What else? Say it again, Bob. Jesus wasn't done yet. Woo, Bob. Come on now. Shouldn't dwell in death. Thank you. Joe, remembering Lazarus from a couple weeks ago, perhaps Jesus is saying that his resurrection is different than Lazarus's resurrection. Ah. Yeah, Linda. It would have been super easy for Mary just to be like, okay, you died, but now you're back. Woo, let's go back to normal. Let's go back to what we were doing. You know, maybe she would have, you know, where's my perfume? Do I even wear perfume? I can wash your feet again and do that. That was a sweet moment. I think, I don't know all that this means, and neither do you, I don't think, but maybe it means that Jesus is small and near enough to know your name and see you in your pain, but Christ is big enough. Christ is big enough to resurrect all things and all people. That it's not just Jesus and his life on earth and the miraculous healings that he did and the intimacy he shared with his friends. It's Christ in whom all things will be reconciled to God, Christ, the all in all, who is working to make all things new at all times. Don't hold on to me. Mary, I am more than what you knew. And that's one of those things, right? If you want to believe in Jesus and also understand him, Jesus the Christ 
is known and also more than we can know. Amen? We can't tie him up and understand him fully. And if we could, how small would he be? Jesus the Christ, raised from the dead. Jesus Christ is really and truly risen. That means love is stronger than hate, hope is stronger than despair, and nothing is impossible with God. Richard Rohr says it this way, nothing divine can really die or stay dead. And Jesus the Christ resides in you, takes part in humanity, takes part in your pain and in your joy. And so the resurrection means that even in death, you do not die, that there is an essential part of you that will rise and remain with Christ after your body is dead. Richard Rohr talks about the Eastern Church and their fundamental message of Easter is this. At Easter, Christ is pulling creation out of hell. That, you know, that ubiquitous phrase, actually it's not ubiquitous, it's only found in one place, but that mysterious phrase that Jesus descended into hell and then he burst out of there leading a train of people, you know? So like, what's that? And it occurs to me, like, if you believe that Jesus descended into hell, remained there three days, and then broke out of there, don't you also have to assume that it might not work all that well anymore? Because he was down there? Now, I'm not saying I don't know what that is, but I'm saying that Jesus led a train of people out. That is his gift to the world. So the Eastern Church believes that in Easter, Jesus trampled hell, corporately led humanity out of hell, and corporately lifted humanity with Christ meaning every crucifixion can be redeemed. Easter is not just the final chapter in the life of Christ, but it's the final chapter in history. It means that we are being made new at all times. It means that we will be made new at the end of all things. It means that death does not have the last word, and it means that in Christ, God is making all things new at all times. So there is nothing in your present or your past or your future that can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Resurrection means that there is hope when all seems dark, that even when you remain weeping, even when all you do, all you can do is hold on to death, even when you're lost and confused, even when the tomb seems empty and all you can see are the echoes of Jesus in the linen cloths, even then, even when you don't believe, Christ is making all things new in you and in all things. So he is risen.
He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen.